Lord Jesus. Amen. The Essenes, which lived in the beginning of the first century on up to a couple of centuries, actually, after the coming of the Lord Jesus to the earth, it was actually the Essenes that had deposited the uh, tablets, of course, the little scrolls which are found, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Their theory and ideology was that there was two great battling foes that were in, in the earth. Sons of light, as they called them, and the sons of darkness. Although we certainly disagree with a lot of the theory that they had, in one sense of the word, that part and the summation of what they believed was totally right. Everybody on the earth today is in an army. The army of God or the army of the devil. That's right. We uh, certainly want to be found on the right side, don't we? By the grace of God. If not, we're going to be certainly losing out at the end time. Let's turn, if you would, today to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. It's a great privilege for us together to be gathered together in the house of God, isn't it? Amen. Amen. What an honor it is. Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. We'll read down to verse 6. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as Elohim. English word gods, but the Hebrew word is actually Elohim, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. I hope it makes sense to you, but this is one of Satan's most effective appeals to man, is to try to make a god of himself. But he doesn't have to create now. He's not a creator. He's not the Almighty. But he is his own god, becomes his own god. So what he does religiously to and for and about himself is a form, a higher form of idolatry. And any idolatry, Satan gets that diverted worship. So this is what that he's offering to them. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. This is the first explicit manifestation of humanism, to make man his own ruler, to where man can become his own typost, his own absolute. So he moves beyond the restrictions of God and the restrictions of his word, and then man becomes his own choice of what he wants to do. If God says something, he just ignores what God says. He doesn't pay attention to that. Rules, bylaws, so on, so on. You know, he's his own God. And then he worships, of course. He worships. What do you do to gods? You bring them things. So what does man do? He brings his God gifts. So pleasure, sin, whatever that he basically wants to do, he offers his new God these gifts, and he diversifies himself and makes himself separate away from the way that God made him. And Satan is so happy 
whenever he does it. My, I'm glad today we've been set free from such. I mean, a lot to be remembered in prayer. Uh, heard about Brother Jewel Forney this morning. Brother Tim Pruitt talked, uh, talked with him actually today. And Brother Jewel hadn't been in church since he'd got sick. And he's going, as far as I know, he's going to be able to try to go today and be in service today. But his heart's still fluttering, uh, still having some issues with his medications. So he's still not, he's still not doing well. So we want to remember our brother today. I'm sure that many of you have a need, a request on your heart. Let's just take it before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence we were taken. and Know that one day, unless the rapture calls us away, we will go back that way again. But Father, the important thing to us is that we complete and fulfill your desire and purpose from the time that we catch the first breath of life when we leave our, leave our mother's womb until the last breath of life leaves this body. We desire to serve you, Lord Jesus, with all fervency and passion that we can muster within us. Lord, as we come before you today, we approach your word, and we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to be able to sit at your table once again to hear. We're asking you, Lord, that you'd move on behalf of your children. We want to call Brother Jewel's name before you today. Father, you see, he's still not quite back to himself. And these things that are going on with his heart, his flutterings. And I pray, Lord, that you just move for our brother, the medications that's affecting him, Lord Jesus. We call upon your name, and we ask you that you just move for our brother Jewel. Lord, we need him. Dear God, we pray that you would just help him. Others raise their hands here today, signifying a need in their life, their body. We're looking to you today, Lord, to help us in the outcome of the word today. Speak to us with our hearts as we open them up to you, Father, make them fertile ground. Grant it, dear God, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The greatest event next to our new birth is lying right in front of us, the change. It's a great hour, great time. Yet, we're in the midst of the darkest time that the earth and the world, the cosmos, has ever known. It's a contrasting between light and darkness that the scripture prophesies would be so prevalent in the last day. We know as the light comes and it breaks the morning that it presses against the darkness and it causes the darkness to actually congeal together. And it makes it even much more dark. For those of you that's uh, been out frequented being out before daylight, and you know how that is. I've done it many times, setting out hunting, maybe in a tree stand, and uh, just know that the sun is fixing to rise just directly. And yet you're sitting there and anticipating and waiting and waiting, and it seems like it's ever so long before it actually ever raises. And I think that's where we are in the spiritual sense. We know the dawn of the seventh morning is right, right before us. And it's a great time. But yet we know that there are events and circumstances and prophecies that must be fulfilled before that can ever come to pass. Because of that, we're in this anticipation. And we're not waiting as it was in a great illumination of light. We're not waiting where everything is going well. 
We're waiting in a corridor of the change between light and darkness. We're waiting where we can hear all these voices that are screaming. We're waiting in a place that is very nerve-wracking. We're in a situation that's very difficult. If we was in the presence of angels alone, our anticipation would be much easier to deal with. If we were in a great place of angelic singing and heavenly choirs and all we could see about us was health and peace and happiness and joy it would make our waiting so much easier oh but alas we look around and we hear the sobs and the cries of deaths we hear so much each day that we live in this earth and our lives are so affected by the things that are around us and the darkness keeps pressing more and more and more and here we are caught in this corridor of time and we're waiting for the greatest event that we've ever had experienced next to the new birth. And around us we're hearing all of these cries and all of the sorrow and the pain and the difficulty. So needless to say, it makes it very difficult for us while we are waiting. But yet we must keep balance somehow within ourselves, knowing that this day of great pressing and anxiety, that there's never been quite an age like it. There's been times similar, we know as it was in the antediluvian destruction that the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, that the thoughts of man's heart was continually on evil. We can imagine that it was a day very similar to the day that we're living, when man constantly was thinking about one evil thing after another thinking about how to become more vile and more wretched and the darkness had so heaped up upon the earth that the very heart of God was turned against his creation. When all when such events happen, it's a terrible time. When the loving heart of God would turn against the very creatures that he's made upon the earth to be able to beautify the earth with man's presence. It must have been a terrible, terrible time. I believe it was very similar to where we are today. Except with the advancement of science, no doubt, that has gone beyond the reach of what they attained to in that day. And the pleasures of sin as many times worse, no doubt, than what they experienced. And yet we know that prophetically it can only go so far until God will say no more. I'm tired of it. It is no longer a fit place for my people to live. God hasten the day. Notice with me in Romans chapter 1 verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. So man can actually move into a spot that man worships the creature. Now this is not just the sun because Paul never used the word creation which would be the stars, the sun, the moon, the universe. But he actually specifies the word creature which is identified not with animals but with human beings. So here Paul is talking about a time that had arrived in his day, which would no doubt be greatly multiplied in our day, that people would actually worship people instead of worshiping God. 
Now, it will not be in the form of what people think worship is. And that's one of the errors of the day because people don't really understand what worship is. They think it's something that you're constantly bowing down and you've got your hands up. No, it's something that you do and feed religiously. You do it over and over again. You see, many people worship themselves because they give to themselves that which they need religiously on a daily or nightly or weekly basis. And it's everything that God said for them not to do, but yet they do it with all of their hearts. So they are worshiping the creature more than the creator. Happy Valley said... Notice now, Paul said, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship. Look at a couple of the meanings here of the word worshiped. It means to honor religiously or to worship. So it has nothing to do with actually you praying to yourself or you actually even calling yourself a God. It has nothing to do with you saying, I am an idol. I am the Almighty. I am the Jehovah has nothing to do with that at all. There's hardly anybody on the face of the earth that would ever do such a thing unless they're just complete imbeciles. But yet millions, let me go on and say billions of people on the earth today worship themselves. And it is one of the highest forms of idolatry which actually turns into worship that is diverted unto Satan when they worship themselves. So it's something that they give to themselves religiously. It's something that they honor themselves religiously over and over again. Sometimes against their own better knowledge. Sometimes against the warning of doctors. Definitely the warning of preachers. Against their own justice. Against their own better judgment. But yet it's something that drives them to do it. And then they call us nuts because we worship God. Now think about it, everybody today on the earth is worshiping something or somebody. Even those who don't believe in God are still worshiping God. It's either the God of himself or the God of education or the God of science, the God of this evil age, of course, gets all diverted worship. Notice this, Paul says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served. Notice these words, how he coupled them together. Worshiped and served, and the word served, the Greek word there is letro, which means to minister to or offer gifts. So they worship, they actually do this in a religious format, and they minister to or give gifts to their self. But many times their gifts are the very thing that will destroy themselves. So they give to themselves promiscuity, they give to themselves alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, marijuana, so on and so on and so on, and they do it religiously, and yet they say, well, I'm not religious. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are, and you believe in God, the God of yourself. Although the God of yourself can't save yourself, it can't heal yourself, it can't deliver yourself, but it can kill yourself. That's what kind of God that you're worshiping and serving. And the truth of it is, many of them do this to themselves more religiously than people who say they believe in God.
Because the least little thing will knock those people out of going to church. They're a little bit tired, a little bit weary. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'll go today. So they just really don't feel the pull to go. And then the man who's hooked on alcohol, he goes right on to the bar. He goes where there's rain or shine or sun. It don't make no difference to him. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to worship. But this is the way he's going to do it. He's going to pour it out of the bottle into a glass and he's going to give a gift to the God of himself. Now this gift is actually going to give him something in return. It's going to temporarily ease his mind and ease his troubles and bring him into a sort of euphoria. A utopia by which for at least a little while he will feel better. Don't you understand what he's doing? He's worshiping. Well, praise the Lord. What well, if they do that with all of their hearts? And when we come to the house of God, I think we ought to do that with all of our hearts as well. Well, what will happen to us? We will enter into the presence of God. We hear the word. We sing. We worship. We pray. The word ministers to us. When the word is finished, then we stand and we, we worship and sing again. And what are we doing? We're entering into that spiritual place to where we're not offering these gifts to ourselves. We're not raising our hands to ourselves. We're not clapping our hands to ourselves. We're giving them to the true and the living God. This true and living God will not give you cancer. He will not give you a hangover. He will not take your rent money or your car payment. Come on, saints. And he will give you eternal life when this life is over. But nevertheless, these people, the majority of the earth today, this is what they are doing. Let's read it again and we'll go on. As Paul said, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served. So they actually worship and they serve. Now listen, no matter whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to serve somebody. That's just the truth. You're going to serve somebody. I ain't serving nobody. I just drink and do what I want to do. No. You are serving the God that you have made yourself into. That's exactly right. Now notice he says they worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So Satan wants man to believe that he can be a God himself and that he doesn't really need the Almighty because the Almighty demands so many things. I mean, after all, you know, I may have to give up this and give up that and do this and that and other. As I said, no matter whether you serve God or the devil, it's going to cost you something. If you serve the devil, you'll have to give up all kinds of things as we looked at it last night. For those who smoke, automatically take 10 years off of your life. So you took 10 years off of your life in order to give you the freedom, so-called, of smoking cigarettes. You're going to give the tobacco companies a small fortune. You're also going to purchase for yourself your death in suffering and much sorrow when you leave this life. You've sacrificed a great deal. Well, praise the Lord. Don't laugh at me because I'm willing to give my all to God. Amen. My God will never give me cancer. My God will never give me the things that the devil gives his people. That's right, because he don't do such stuff. Now, as 
as we serve ourselves, especially in this age, the result of this, Brother Trey, winds up being self-deification. Self-deification always brings in self-indulgence. Now watch this, self-deification will bring in self-indulgence in order to bring the God of yourself this ultimate satisfaction. It makes no difference who it hurts. It makes no difference what you've got to do to do it. You will accomplish it because this is the God of who you are. And you are religiously going to worship that. God. So deifying yourself then as being the center of your life, the center of everything around you, your family, your home, then you will begin to self-indulge. The more you self-indulge, the more you will want to self-indulge and the more self will want to be indulged. Because you see, as you feed yourself, yourself gets bigger and yourself gets more demanding and yourself wants more and hungers after more. And the more it gets, the less it's satisfied. That's this God that you're feeding. You'll never be able to satisfy this God because it couples with the curiosity of human nature. You see, if only one drug alone would satisfy folks, then they should never ever mix them because the one would be enough to take care of them. What if one drink would do it? Why do you need another and another? And why do you mix this alcohol with that one and this drug with that one and that one? Because it's the curiosity of the human nature looking for a higher high. Looking for something, a utopia somewhere that they've never done. And what is it? Self-deification coupled with self-gratification and then you're constantly worshiping and worshiping and bringing gifts to yourself and making yourself a bigger and bigger and bigger God and you ain't nothing but just as lost as you can be and on your way to hell and without the mercy of God you will wake up one day in the flames and realize oh God what have I done my Lord Idolatry, of course, consists in worshiping any idol and making anything or anyone a recipient of your loyalty, your honesty, your integrity, so on and so on, in a religious form in the place of God. Now, it is this form of idolatry that Satan will bring the self-exaltation in the last day. It will annihilate the entire humanity on the earth. Because all of those who are not actually killed by the bombs and killed by all the rest of the destruction under the sixth seal will be killed by the coming of our Lord at the dawn, at the ending before the dawning of the millennium. It will actually be this God of self-exaltation and self being this and that and the other that will bring the entirety of the human race to its ultimate end. Why? It was that that started the ball of sin to roll in the very beginning. Where does it come from? This is why God hates it so much. It comes from Satan himself. He was the very first one to move into this realm in the realm of self-deification. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the most high. Yay! I will reign. I will do this. I will do that. Well, he was the very first one to self-deify. He had no deity at all as far as given to him by God. But he 
deified himself. How? By himself. By his words. So he began to believe what he had to say. And then once he deified himself, then he moves into the stuff, I am a God. I am this. I am that. He ain't a bit more a God than I'm a jackrabbit. He can't create one flea, one fly, one gnat, one peach, one apple, one pear. He's only a God because people worship him who are ignorant that they are worshiping him. As far as a creator, he can't create nothing. He don't have the power to do so. Now, notice this, the meaning of the word humanism. An outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. Humanist beliefs stress the potential value and goodness of human beings, emphasize common human needs, and seek solely rational ways of solving human problems. So in other words, I leave God completely out. So if you're depressed, what? Take a pill. If you're all stressed out, get a beer. If you just can't take it no more, smoke some weed. Why? Because all of our problems that are here, they are fixable by us, according to humanism. Now, Satan is the God of humanism. You understand, friends, that Satan is the God of the Muslim faith. I know that's not very popular to say there is no God in heaven by the name of Allah. Satan is the God of Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism. Well, praise the Lord. That's exactly right. Even though they bow down before the image of Buddha, they are worshiping the devil ignorantly. Then you have people who do not believe in Buddhism, Taoism, or Hinduism, or Christianity, but they bow down before a fifth of whiskey because they pull up to the seat and there, glass after glass, or beer after beer. What are they doing? They also are worshiping. They are worshiping themselves. And Satan takes that worship and says, yes, that's the very one I used in the Garden of Eden. He did not offer Eve a fifth of whiskey. He did not offer her a cigar or a cigarette. He offered her a form of humanism. He offered her a form to whereby she could be a God and exist without the Almighty. And she accepted his invitation as billions of people have lived upon the earth. But let me say today, as a witness against hell, I am not self-efficient. I am not. I do not have the ability to save myself. I do not have the ability to deliver myself. I do not have the ability to meet all my human needs. Come on, Happy Valley. Oh, you say that's a sign of weakness. That's a sign of surrender. It is the greatest strength a human being can ever have once they surrender all they are and all they think they are into the power of the Almighty God. So people roll up their sleeve, 
Take a needle. What are they doing? Worshipping. They pop a can of beer. What are they doing? Worshipping. Worshipping what? The God that they have deified. Hey, you've got children. They're suffering. That don't matter. I need this. Oh. So it's all about you, is it? You're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose your husband. You're going to lose your family. I don't care. Oh. Let's look a little bit this morning, can we? Fetal alcohol syndrome facts and statistics. Fetal alcohol syndrome, FAS, is a serious condition that affects thousands of children each year. This preventable condition can cause delays in development that can affect lifelong learning. Most OBGYN doctors recommend complete abstinence from alcohol. This is not just a preacher thing. While pregnant because so little is known about what amount of alcohol crosses the threshold of what is safe for a baby. Alcohol is a teratogen. A monster maker is what this means in Greek. A teratogen is any substance that can cause harm to an unborn fetus. Alcohol is now the most likely teratogen that a fetus will come in contact with while utero in societies where alcohol is a prominent feature of the culture. In the U.S., this FAS is considered to be one of the most preventable forms of birth defects. So tell me what's missing in a woman who's supposed to be called a mother. Carrying this fetus in her body, supposed to be feeding it nitrates and calcium and phosphorus and all these things from her umbilical cord attached to the mother's body to the baby. And yet this woman has to have this alcohol so bad. And the doctors will say, don't do this. You're damaging your child. You're going to cause a cranial to take a different shape. The brain won't be formed right and she'll go right ahead and do it anyhow. Why? Because the God inside of this woman that she has now made the God of her world. The God of her universe. It can't make a world. It can't make a universe. But she don't need for it to. It hungers and thirsts after alcohol. And she will worship. You mean a woman would knowingly damage her baby? That's what self-deification does, you see. You see, this is so different than the cross of Christianity. Self-deification deifies you. If it feels good, do it. Don't make no difference who it hurts. What difference does that make? This one person said it was wrong. Oh, old-fashioned, old fogey. You can't listen to them bunch of people. You sure can't listen to church people. They don't never had no fun. I don't know what they're talking about. So you've got to live. You've only got one life. Well, that's right. It's the kind of life you're living. You've only got one. I've got two. That's right. You've only got one life and you keep living the way you're living. It may not last very long. But a real child of God has a mortal existence and an immortal one after this life is over. 
Notice this from the Department of Health and Human Services. 40,000 children born each year is estimated have FAS. And it may be as high as 80,000 mothers. Mothers. What's happened to a mother's love? Deity replaces it. You see, when you make that mother God, then that is superior to a mother's love. When you make that man God, then that takes superiority over a father's love, a husband's love for his wife, and even that man's love for God. Because then he becomes deity. Friends, this world is in pitiful shape. How can anybody in their right mind deify a six-foot dirt bag? Come on, be honest. What are we worse humanly? Nothing. If not for the grace of God, where would we be? It is estimated that a child born with FAS will cost $2 million over their lifetime between treatment and disability. The cost to the nation is about $6 billion per year. A child with FAS may not develop an IQ beyond 60, which is considered major retardation in the U.S. So mothers willingly would make their babies mentally retarded? God have mercy. Why? Deity took over. I don't care. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what mama says. I don't care my baby's retarded. Friends, any woman that would have that mentality is already ahead of the baby. She's mentally gone. Pray for me and we'll get this done maybe today. Revelation chapter 9 verse 21. Let's look at another form of idolatry. Neither repented they of their murderers, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. Now this is one of the prophecies of the last day, that the people in the last day will not repent of these things. Now the English word is sorcery. Look at the Greek word here, it's pharmakia, which actually means witchcraft, the use of or the administering of drugs. So here John on the Isle of Patmos before marijuana was ever got together, before heroin, crack, cocaine, before the opioids, before any of them was ever into existence, John prophesied. And if you look also in Galatians, you'll find the same word. See, used several times in the New Testament that God knew this age would arrive. Before the crisis ever got here, God prophesied about it. And because the last day people would be so self-centered, so self-God oriented, self-deification, self-gratification, it could not work in either that. Think of it, Harry, this could not even work in the antediluvian destruction. This could not have worked in the days of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 
This type of dilemma that we're dealing with could only work in the last days because people will become so self-centered that everything focuses around them. Oh, my Lord. Listen, marijuana is the most commonly used illegal drug in the United States with approximately 22.2 million users each month. Research shows that one in 10 marijuana users will become addicted. For people who begin using before the age of 18, that number rises to one in six. Marijuana use directly affects the brain, specifically the parts of the brain responsible for memory, learning, attention, decision making, coordination, emotions, and reacting time. Is it any wonder potheads are nuts? Tell me who was it that found out this weed growing out in the field would affect him in such a way? Tell me who was it that found out that the poppy plant would be able to be reformed and changed and processed and turned into heroin? Who knew this? Only two beings, God and the devil. Developing brains like those in babies and children and teens are especially susceptible to the adverse effects of marijuana and our poor ignoramuses, congressmen, senators wanting to legalize it. The Democrat Party trying to make up their mind in the next few weeks whether or not they're going to run on legalizing the sex, the sex work, and legalizing marijuana in every state. Come on, you Democrats, don't frown at me. Just face the truth. It don't matter those where you're a Democrat or Republican, the devil's in charge of every bit of it. Can't you see where our world, where our nation is going to? Total idolatry. Long-term or frequent marijuana use has been linked to increased risk of psychosis, schizophrenia, in some users, another mental side effect of marijuana is paranoia. Users often experience, often experience after smoking cannabis, which is where it comes from, you know. Psychoactive drug, which activates the same brain reward regions as do other abused drugs, such as alcohol, tobacco, cocaine, etc. explains Dr. Gorlick, professor of psychiatry at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Who was it that knew that these substances on the outside of the human body would go straight to the brain and release dopamine, the feel-good hormone? Marijuana overactivates parts of the brain that contain the highest number of these receptors. This causes the high that people feel. Other effects include altered senses, for example, seeing brighter colors, altered sense of time, changes in mood, impaired body movement. I thought there was nothing wrong with marijuana. Somebody's been lying to you. Sounds like the same old boy we read about in the book of Genesis. 
Listen, young people, don't you get involved in this mess. Changes in mood, impaired body movement, difficulty with thinking and problem solving. I already have enough issues with that sort of thing. I don't need to smoke weed. Come on, face the facts. Y'all just like I am. I don't see no Einsteins here. You're just like me and all the rest of us. These are the issues of life. Why in the world do I want to make it worse by smoking dope? Where was I? Impaired body movement. That's where I was. Difficulty. Oh my, we're thinking and problem solving. Impaired memory. Hallucinations when taken in high doses. Delusions when taken in high doses. Psychosis when taken in high doses. Nope. Don't sound like nothing I want. Long-term effects. Marijuana also affects brain development. When people begin using marijuana as teenagers, the drug may impair thinking, memory, and learning functions. These are some of our congressmen. Cool, man. Let's legalize it. Let's get the whole world high. No. If you do legalize it, and if you make it where every mortal on the earth has to smoke it or be killed, there'll be some that'll never do it. Don't you understand? This is one of the things the Lord Jesus will have on the devil in the millennium. The devil in every age has been able to exercise his power and authority, but he ain't never in any age on the earth ever been able to get every human on the earth subject to his program. God has always had some holy rollers here and some holy rollers there, but in the millennium, the son of David will have every mortal on the earth subject to his domain. It'll burn the devil up down in hell. A study from New Zealand conducted in part by the researchers of Duke University showed that people who started smoking marijuana heavily in their teens had an ongoing marijuana use disorder, lost an average of eight. IQ points between ages 13 and 38. Now maybe some of y'all has got enough of that to spare. I don't know too many of you that do. (laughs) The lost mental abilities didn't fully return in those who quit. So you imagine you start smoking when you're a teenager. You get right with God. Your brain is still damaged. Unless God supernaturally heals you. So guess what? The best thing is, don't smoke it. Don't chew it. Don't drink it. Stay away from it. If you want something to drink, I've got a brand that'll set your world on fire. Believe me, the brand that I use is the best that's ever been in the earth. Praise God, it's called new wine. I said it's called new wine. It lifts you up when you're down. It heals you when you're sick. It helps you in a terrible, depressed day. And it gives you peace and the time of storm without the hangover.
And another recent study on twins, those who use marijuana showed a significant decline in general knowledge and in verbal ability equivalent to four IQ points between preteen years and early adulthood. Some of the physical symptoms and side effects of marijuana use include increased heart rate by 20 to 50 beats per minute, slowed breathing, so your heart rate goes up and your breathing goes down. Bloodshot eyes, fainting, falling, orthostatic hypotension or dizziness when a person stands up suddenly, heightened senses, drowsiness, slowed reaction, imbalance, poor coordination, increased appetite. Lord have mercy, what a mess. So you're a big fat slob that can't even get up. Psychological symptoms of marijuana use include euphoria, relaxation, mood swings, altered sense of time, hallucinations, paranoia, anxiety, panic attacks, psychosis, impaired judgment, memory and learning problems. Go ahead, you bunch of congressmen. Go ahead and pass the law. What are you doing to us? If I could study this and pull it up, you know they can. But the truth of it is, they just don't care. They're after votes, let's be honest. If the young people want to legalize it and that'll get you in, let's do it. They will burn in hell. They will burn until their soul is annihilated. Because votes mattered more than principle. I might run for president. I probably would get all y'all to vote for me. Must say anybody out here. Had to say something to make you laugh. It's not uncommon for marijuana users to also experience heart attacks. Oh, great. Great. You got paranoia. You got nervousness. You got hallucinations. And now you have a heart attack. Following using the drug, especially when it is more potent concentration of THC, which is the altering, the mind-altering effect of marijuana. And now, just so you know, five times more potency in the marijuana now than just a few years ago. What if the devil's getting more potent with his? I figure there must be an increase in potency in the revelation of the word too. A person's risk of heart attack can increase up to five times within the first hour after smoking marijuana. But be sure and take your uh, CQ10 and be sure and take your vitamin C. And Are we nuts? Yes, yes, the majority of the earth is nuts. They go to the gym and work out. <laughs> And then smoke marijuana to get done. Children, can't can you see? 
The world is insane. That is because it raises blood pressure and heart rate, but reduces the blood's ability to carry oxygen. Marijuana use can impair visual perception and motor speed for up to 28 days. But the Bible said they would not repent. Having different personalities while high and sober can hinder relationship building. It is extremely common for marijuana users to act drastically different when they are high than when they are sober. These mood swings can make it more difficult to develop interpersonal relationships because of a lack of balanced behavior. The drug can also cause depersonalization, which can make it harder to develop a relationship with someone they don't know who they are. Is the real one then the high one or the low one? Or the one in the middle coming down? One in 11 young adults who smoke weed will develop an addiction. Many people praise marijuana for its non-addictive qualities. Of course they do. All the smokers. You ever see a tobacco employee? You ever been over around Winston, North Carolina and over in them tobacco country over through there? You ever see an employee of Winston walking out front? Down with all the cigarette companies. Down with all the addiction. Down. Many people praise marijuana for its non-addictive qualities. However, physicians strongly disagree with such a statement. There's no question at all that marijuana is addictive. Dr. Sharon Levy, the director of adolescent substance abuse program at Boston's Children's Hospital, told Boston Globe, right now only one in 11 young adults who smoke weed will develop an addiction. However, with more potent products beginning to enter the market, the addiction rates will increase. And they worship. Oh man. Oh man. And if they heard you in your prayer closet praying and speaking in tongues, shouting the glory of God, seeing you at church, they say, Look at them bunch of religious fanatics. You're just as religious as we are, except your religion smokes. All smoking religions wind up where the smoke is really bad. Well, praise the Lord. Notice this, drug use is on the rise in this country and 23 and a half million Americans are addicted to alcohol and drugs. That's approximately one in every 10 Americans over the age of 12. You go to the mall this evening, think how many of these statistics you're going to run into. You go to Red Lobster to eat your lunch. You go through a drive through a KFC or Hardee's. How many is in front of you or behind you? That's these people right here. Dear God. Roughly equal to the entire population of Texas. But only 11% of those with an addiction receive treatment. Why? I don't think they got a problem. Their God won't let them. They may think about it. 
And when they're not worshiping and when they're not offering idols to their God, they may come to themselves and think, what am I doing? I'm killing myself. I'm killing my family. I'm destroying everybody around me. What's the matter with me? And that God will say, shut up and feed me. Bring me an offering. Bring me a gift. And then that God will intoxicate them again. And they'll think, this is who I am. This is really who I am. I can't quit. God have mercy. Addiction cost American society $484 billion. That is more than diabetes and cancer combined. Approximately 570,000 people die. Notice this, because of drug use. In 2017, more than 47,000 Americans died as a result of opioid overdose. Including prescription opioids, heroin, and illicitly manufactured fentanyl. A powerful synthetic opioid. You probably saw it this morning. Well, they just captured up in California there. All this millions of dollars, enough to kill 20 million people. The same year, an estimated 1.7 million people in the United States suffered from substance use disorders related to prescription opioid pain relievers. 650,000 suffered from a heroin use disorder. Every day, more than 130 people in the United States die after overdosing on opioids. More than 300,000 Americans have died from doses involving opioids since 2000. Over 300,000. Can't you see where their God takes them? Self-deification leads to self-indulgence, self-gratification, and self-destruction. Drug overdoses have become the leading cause of death of Americans under 50. Let me read to you a text I received last night after service. From someone in the medical field, your sermon this evening hit home with me, working out here, I won't say the city, out in the West Coast. I see it 20 to 30 times in one shift. Mass abuse parents, two to three-year-old kids, smelling like pot. Infants brought to me in the ER because they overdosed on crack cocaine. They licked off the floor when they were crawling. So you've got little babies being taken to the ER, Brother Dale, because they licked crack cocaine off the floor in their parents' house. And they're taken to the ER on overdoses. Why? Because that mama and that daddy or both are worshiping their gods themselves. I guess when you see it as much as I do, it becomes a normal shift. And I expect nothing less when I walk in those ER bays. The devil's kingdom is a horrible place (laughs) that these poor people call home. I do what I can to tell them all about Jesus but they don't even hear me thank God for grace 
We should be very thankful, buddy. I'm very thankful. The White House stated in November the 20th, 2017, that in 2015 alone, the opioid epidemic cost the United States an estimated $504 billion. Center for Disease Control, CDC, and prevention estimates that the total economic burden of prescription opioid misuse alone in the United States, $78.5 billion a year including the cost of health care, low-cost productivity, addiction treatment, and criminal justice involvement. Approximately 80% of the global pharmaceutical opioid supply is consumed in the United States. And we're so free. We Americans are so proud and so free. Are we really? The only real free people that are left are those in Christ Jesus. 80% of it, Brother Terry. Last week, listen to this, I read this this morning on Fox. Last week, a 75-year-old New York doctor was convicted of conspiracy to distribute oxycodone and fentanyl after authorities charged that he had wrote more than one million prescriptions. For oxycodone over three years between 2015 and 2017. A doctor that swore to the Hippocratic Oath. Of course, when you read further down in the article and see how much money they found in his house, you can see why the oath meant nothing. All comes back to this, friends. The love of money is the root of all evil. Come and have a little, have a little more of your time. It also has become a serious problem outside the U.S., mostly among young adults. Young adults. Many state governors have declared a state of emergency to combat the opioid epidemic or undertook other major efforts against it. Can you imagine a state of emergency? The number of overdoses deaths related to heroin increased 533% between 2012 and 2016 from an estimated 2089 and 2002 to 13,219 in 2016. During 2017, there were more than 72,000 overdose deaths in the United States, including 49,068 that involved an opioid, according to the provisional CDC account. You imagine, 130 people died every day looking for what? Worshiping. Worshiping. Sacrificing to their God. And this is the ultimate sacrifice. This God demands your life. Then, when your eyes open in another spiritual realm, in the sixth dimension where the lost go, you left this world. You left this world being high. 
You left this world being drunk. Death don't change you. Death don't take a drunk, fill them with the Holy Ghost and put them on the other side. Death only moves you from one place to another. So you left high on cocaine. You left high on crack. You left high on alcohol or whatever more. And then your eyes open in the sixth dimension. In the regions of the lost. Maybe you see your seller, your supplier that just died last week. And you see your dad that overdosed. And this one and that one and the other one. And you realize, oh God. Oh God. You see, there's no infidels in the sixth dimension. There's nobody there that don't believe in God. But they believe too late. Their God demanded their life. Don't ridicule me because I've given my all to my God. My God will never demand that I commit suicide. Well, if I'm not commit suicide, when you do smoke cigarettes, you're committing slow suicide. Alcohol, drugs, it's slow suicide any way you look at it. Notice in the flashing red light, did not the Bible say that it would get weaker and wiser when another race of people coming on that live out of a capsule? 623-63. Take a capsule for their dinner. It's nothing but a bunch of cigarettes smoking, whiskey drinking, cocktail running, a bunch of dope addicts. Nineteen sixty-three. Teenage children in school and juvenile delinquency. No wonder her mother put her on the street acting the way she does. Throws the child into the same thing. So I ask you, do we need the millennium? Or is this place a wonderful place? Oh, there's just so much peace and so much happiness. Why are young people taking their lives? Why is the major cause of people under 50 being all this? How is it that cigarette smoking has killed more than all of World War I, World War II, Korean conflict, Vietnam War, Afghanistan War, all of those wars together? And if it does not change, there will be a billion people that will die in this century because of cigarette smoking. Let me close with this. You can't hear him, nor can we see him. But the God of this age is rejoicing. He is so happy. What kind of a being is this, Brother Dow, that would cause a mother and father to drop this stuff on the floor and their baby to come to and lick it up off the floor and them to have to take it to the ER and then Satan and his demons in the ER. Is this our brother that are trying to save their life and them demons laugh and laugh at the mother and laugh at the father and laugh at the man that gets so drunk he can't even stand up and Satan's saying, I got you. This is where I want it. This world. Amen. 
But as I'm preparing to close, I would like to serve an eviction notice. You know what an eviction notice is, don't you? It's when somebody don't pay their rent or they don't pay their bills and they get thrown out of their house. I'd like to serve the devil and all of his demons this morning an eviction notice. It's fixing to be brought to pass and it ain't going to be too long down the road. I don't figure. Amen. Oh, he didn't pay no rent because he ain't got no rental contract. But all he is is a waster and a liar and a deceiver. Come on, saints. He loves to take his people and put them through all kinds of hell on this earth. But he knows this is the shortest time he'll have them. He really can't wait till he takes them beyond the grave and gets them into the regions of the lost. And there they will suffer and suffer according to the amount of sin. God will dictate to them their punishment. For some of them it may be decades. For some of them it may be scores. For some of them it may be thousands of years that they will burn until eventually they will be annihilated but this is his goal oh young people he'd love to have you preacher here today he'd love to have you moms and dads he'd love to have you but as long as I've got my right mind and I've got my choice I say to him you cannot have me and I'm going to do everything in my power to stand between him and the young people of Happy Valley and say no devil you can't have that and that one and that one no they belong to us as the people of God you cannot have them we don't want our children to be statistics we don't want our parents to be statistics you see we also We'll call to worship. Except our worship is not self-deification. It is deification, all right. But we wasn't the one who made him deity. He was deity from eternity. But deity comes into us by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we deny ourselves and take up our cross. And follow him daily. We offer sacrifices to this God who lives in us. When we come to church and we don't feel like raising our hands, we make a sacrifice. Father, I'm tired today. I don't, I don't feel good or whatever you might say. Lord, I, I really got a headache or this or that. Or the Lord, I, I just want to worship you. I just want to give you a sacrifice, Lord Jesus. What's that compared to taking 10 years off of your life and smoking? What's that compared to smoking marijuana and then taking an overdose and having a heart attack and dying, dying lost without God and meeting God in eternity high on marijuana? What, what sacrifice really, friends, does God make of us that is so hard? People say, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. It's so hard. The way I'm looking at it, maybe I'm crazy. The way I'm looking at just these stats alone, it ain't near as hard to be a Christian as it is to do this. It ain't near as hard to be a consecrated child of God. Oh my, how you what you say, Brother Donnie, you don't ever get drunk. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh my, I get intoxicated in the presence of God. I get caught up in the heavenly places. A child of God has a high that dope can't never bring. Marijuana can't never bring. We soar in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen. 
as the brain becomes used to the feelings of euphoria, it often takes more and more of the drug to produce the same levels of pain relief and well-being leading to dependence and later addiction. I wonder where the devil got this at. He must have patterned this from somebody. That if you give people, start them out with a certain level, and they love what they're experiencing, they got to have more and more. I ain't talking about opioids now, I'm talking about you. When God saves you, He'll give you just a little dip. Sanctified you, give you a little more. Give you the Holy Ghost, got more. Praise God. But how many wants more today than you've ever had? Guess what? You're addicted. Praise God. Praise God. That means you're not satisfied just with what you had when you got saved. You're not satisfied with what you had when you got sanctified. You know there's a deeper walk. You know there's more for you. And it means there's more because you desire more. Paul in the New Testament writing, talking about the people of God that had served the Lord and served the body. He said, they have addicted themselves. Addicted themselves. Praise God. That's the kind of addicted folks we need in church. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Thank you for bearing with me in this. I know this is painful. Heavenly Father, as we stand here today, no doubt some of these people have been down this path. I know some of them have because I know their past. And I know those that have been set free as they stand here today, they rejoice in their hearts. No doubt some of them had flashbacks, which probably was hard on them. I, I didn't mean to make it hard on them, Lord. But in order to bring the condition of the world, I felt like I needed to expose it this way. So I pray that you'd help any of those that have been down this path. Help them with the pain of flashbacks, Lord. May they not leave here today haunted by flashbacks. But may they leave here with joy in their hearts. Thanking God that they don't walk that way no more. Praise God. Lord Jesus, help us, I pray. If there's any here today, Lord, that's bothered by these things, help them to know that there's deliverance. If there's any, Lord, that'll hear this service, maybe they're bound by opioids, painkillers. Maybe they're bound by various things. Lord Jesus, may they reach out to you, Father. We love you, Lord, with all of our hearts. Amen. I can see him as he comes down the alley that day. He was dressed in a garment that was not his own. One of the disciples must have had an extra change of clothes on him because he's traveling around with Jesus. One of them was a perfect fit for this guy. He starts back down the alley that he had left so many years ago. He's the maniac from Gadara. 
His little boy is out in the alley. He's grown up now to be a, maybe a preteen. He sees his daddy coming down the alley. He takes off running for the house. Scared to death, screaming at the top of his voice, Mama, Mama, it's him. He's back. I can see him as tears start trickling down his eyes, knowing the scars and the pain that he's inflicted on his wife and his children. Thinking, oh God, will they have me back? Will they take me back in? All of a sudden, his wife comes out the door and stands between him and the kids. She's kind of shielding the kids as she'd done many a time when he would get in these rages, lose his temper, and these demons would cry out to kill them. Her crying, maybe holding her hand up to her face, wiping the tears out of her eyes. She's ragged and poor. The little children so ragged. You see, it's not just the effects on the person that's hooked. It's on those at home. But she looks in his face and she knows, notices, there's something different. What? And he gets closer and closer and she looks and she looks into his eyes. I don't know, you believe what you want to about it. People that's got demons, you look in their eyes. There's a presence there. She could look into his eyes. And his eyes wouldn't dart and dance and look away, but he could look straight ahead. The eye being the gateway to the soul. Yeah. Tears running down his face. She said, oh, I ain't seen him crying here. She said, Please don't, don't stay away. No, 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 no. Please. Let me tell you what happened. I don't even know how to explain it. But a few days ago, Amen. there was something in me got to crying out. Yeah. I don't know how to even put it into words, but it's like something in me was crying out, crying out. And I heard it saying, help me. Help me. Amen. And I tried to hush it, and I couldn't. And in a day or so, a man showed up in a boat. That soul that was in that man was crying out. Jesus, from on the other side of the lake, heard that soul, old friend. He can hear yours today, too. Imagine the little boy peeking around the corner. Mama said, get back, get back. It's a trick. It's, it's a trick. He said, I, I know you don't trust me, but I'm telling you, I've been changed. I met this man called Jesus. And I'm here to tell you right now, there's no one greater than Jesus. Finally, it just broke in her heart. Lord, I can just see her. She just raised up her arms like this. Embraces him. Oh, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. 
so sorry. So sorry for what I put you and the kids through. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Can I trust you? You can't trust me, but you can trust the man who set me free. I wanted to stay with him, but he told me to come back home to you all. I'm free, wife. I'm free. The sad thing about it is, every person on these numbers, 300,000, 7 million, 1 billion, whatever more, every one of them could be free. But the majority of them don't want to be. If you're free today, you ought to be the happiest person in all the world. Hallelujah. Sing about it, Mary. There's no one greater than Jesus. No matter what your problems are today and what your troubles are, Jesus is bigger. I was so bound up, my life was so tied up, no peace within, chains could not hold me, confused so Shackles sing. Who is that coming on the other side of the sea? His eyes of compassion, they're piercing through me. Shackle with sin. 
Father, thank you for the service today. Thank you for another weekend that we were able to be together. Lord Jesus, I trust that you would help us. How we long, Lord, for the dawn of that millennium day. When Eve listened to the lie of the devil, she brought the fruit to her husband. Your millennium was put on the hold. But we know, Father, when you come back to the earth with your bride, the second Adam, the second Eve, the millennium will start anew. Except this time, there'll be more people. There'll be greater glory. Your redeemed attributes will be here in glorified bodies. Adam and Eve will be here again also. Except this time Adam will take Eve by the hand and it will be a glorified hand. Adam and Eve will be in their glorified bodies as Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. All the elect of God down through the ages. Praise God. There'll be no babies born with opioid addiction. Be no babies born in the millennium with alcohol addiction. Praise God. May there not be, not be a one of us missing at that great time, Lord. Go with us now, Father. Bring us back at the appointed time. We love you with all of our hearts. And the saints said, Amen. How many can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. God bless you, Brother Darrell. will be speaking Wednesday night. 
Uh, I've got to meet down at Brother David Siler's. I think some of you maybe are going to go down there. It'll be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, those of you that aren't, we certainly desire your prayers. Brother Matt Watkins will be speaking here next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So I know Brother Matt is always a great blessing to the church. And I know that you'll, you'll truly be blessed. God bless you. Let's plan on meeting, shall we? At the river that day. God bless you. Brother Louis, come sing something for us. Pick it up a little bit. I made them so sad and gloomy and blue today. Sing something that will make them happy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We appreciate you. Praise the Lord. Certainly appreciate your pastor, don't we? Amen. Let's sing it as we go. We're on our way to Canaan's land. Are you on your way? Somebody say praise the Lord. Well, I'm on my way. Up to Canaan's land I'm on my way Up to Canaan's land I'm on my way To Canaan's land I'm on my way Praise God On my way If my mother don't go Won't hinder me If my mother don't go Mr. Mom.